Welcome to the Color Auntie Podcast. My name is Grace, joined by my co-host, Kozan. And we are so glad that you're here with us. We're just your northern girls trying to live our best life. We're here to help you through those dreadful morning commutes, or if you're just wanting to hear Quay out of things you may be experiencing, because both Quay and I have been there. We don't really know what we're doing in life, but we're hoping to figure it out with you along the way. <laughs> yeah. So listen, your podcast aunties love ya. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Call Her Auntie podcast. Today, we have a special guest, um, Jace Meyer. Jace is a Métis social entrepreneur, educator, speaker, coach, artist, mom, auntie, sister. She's currently living on the Treaty of the Lekwagen speaking peoples. Yeah, Did I say okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Chinese nation, yeah. <laughs> In 2019, Jace was recognized as a BMW World Responsible Leader, and her family is originally from Treaty 5. She is currently living in Victoria, leading a nomadic lifestyle. Jace has worked from coast to coast to coast to create equitable education opportunities for everyone in STEM and entrepreneurship. So far, her teaching has reached 1.25 million youth in what is currently called Canada. Some tidbits about her, her favorite music is country. I like country too. I don't know about Quay as much. Sometimes I play country like in the car or something and she's not a huge fan. Um, and her favorite show, she would have to say Full House, but she can expand on that more. So welcome, Jace. Thank you Thank so you. much. Welcome. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm fangirling really hard right now because I've been a big fan of the podcast. I think from the very beginning, it was the very first podcast recommendation that my phone ever gave to me. And I remember oh. the very moment being like, how did you give me indigenous content? Whoa. <laughs> that. So go iTunes, something in the algorithms working. <laughs> That's oh. so cool to know though. Like we've been recommended to somebody. I didn't know that it was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. The first recommendation of any podcast I'd ever received from iTunes was your podcast. Wow. That is super cool. We didn't even pay iTunes to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, we didn't pay them, <laughs> but we, the way we connected, um, was, wasn't well, I've met you before, but we connected again in the DMs over our love, mutual love for Shania Twain. I've loved country since I was a little girl. My mom always played the classics, Patsy Cline, uh, Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn. Like uh, that's how you cleaned house in my house was you put on nineties country and earlier and you just got to it. And uh I've always just had a love for it. Um, it. I love all the current stuff too, but country just makes its way under the record player more often than not. I country totally... makes me cry though. <laughs> <laughs> the whole dog runs away. You see it forever. <laughs> broken down. <laughs> yeah, just the music. What what song? There's um, a thing on Netflix right now called Country Charm or something. And oh. in the finale where like the kids got on stage and they sang the Broken Road song. Yeah. I like bald. I was like, this is why I don't listen to country. <laughs> Kids performances in general will do that to you. Hey, I remember right, yeah. thinking like, if I'm crying now and these aren't my kids on stage, what am I going to do when I become a mom? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, geez. I cry watching. I remember watching Undercover Boss and crying like when they like the undercover boss would really like release himself or reveal himself and then be like I'm giving you like a trip to Disneyland with your family because you've been a hard worker and I'm like sitting there crying and I'm like this is undercover boss but I guess they are sweet moments but I'm a huge yeah country fan too I think um like growing up up north and just always like having bonfires or just being out with family and like it just you know, sometimes I, I think I listen to it now being in the city because it reminds me of back home of like those times just hanging out with family or, you know, being in a garage full of friends like that's <laughs> totally, totally that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that you want to, you know, um, add to your intro, tell our listeners who you are 
Yeah, I I think the coolest and the most different thing about me is that it's always changing. And one of the things that I've come to realize that I should almost say as a bit of a preamble in every podcast is that I'm probably going to show up completely differently in the next one. Um, And I think that's something that I've really had to work to find comfort in is like that ability to be a shapeshifter means that you can be different things throughout your lifetime. And I think it's actually one of the greatest lessons that I've I've learned is like, you're going to have different job titles. You're going to live in different places. You're going to go to different schools. And so much of the way I was raised in a military family and constantly moving, you do have to reintroduce yourself all the time. Um, But that doesn't mean you lose the core of who you are. You just have the ability to continue to learn and do new things. So um, really like the lesson of Rougarou, of Métis culture and like being a shapeshifter and like seeing that not just as a trickster character and like that's something to like distrust but really that you can be many things for different people when you need to be that I think that's what's always been something that has given me a lot of opportunity in life and why I think I've been a good teacher is because I've been able to connect with different people's life experiences by having so many myself so I sometimes like uh, think, oh gosh, like people are going to not believe who you are because one day you're working here and the next day you're working there. And first you're living in uh, Ottawa. Now you're in Victoria. Like, where are you and who are you? And my name's changed a few times too through marriage, like um, as well. So uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a shapeshifter, a bit of a nomad. And I I honestly have now learned to embrace that. It used to make me really uncomfortable. but I think that's my superpower. I like that. I've seen a, a meme recently um, that, okay, here I go with the memes again, but it, <laughs> it said something like, you don't have to be this one person forever. And it had to do with like your flaws or anything. Like you can decide to change whenever you want to. And then that really spoke to me because I was like, try, always trying to stay true to who I am and like wanting to be the same original girl that came from garden but I'm like I've had so many life experiences that I'm not that same person anymore and that's okay Mm -hmm. but I like what you said yeah that's exactly it I was reflecting the other day on like I really yo-yoed between privilege and like precarity and you learn really different things about the world on both sides of that Um, And I say you learn things about the world because the thing for me is like I've been the same person on both sides of that I just didn't realize what existed completely on the other side of it. Like, obviously that impacts you and you like, you pick up things and you add them to your toolbox and like, you know, maybe you learn a new language or a new skill or you understand skateboarding and you never really would have known that before or something like that. But um, that coreness to who you are, like you're born with that. And I think I've always had that such an innate sense of that. Um, that it didn't ever shake me to be dropped into so many different environments. Cause I'm like, well, I'm Jace. Like I know I'm Jace. I'm always going to be Jace. I'm just Jace with a new skill set today that I didn't have yesterday. Um, and giving myself permission to do that sometimes means you outgrow people because they don't want to see you do those things. Um, and learning to let go of the people who don't want to see you grow is an exercise <laughs> and something you got to practice. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're a, a different human. You're just, uh, you know, a better version of yourself because you've got more life experience behind you. Mm-hmm. I totally love how you touched on that because, um, and I think that's like inspiring for everyone. I'm like totally trying to like remember what you're saying here because we've talked in the pod- podcast before about how friendships are relationships and, you know, like we, like they do take work and sometimes relationships and friends that just don't mesh and like I've talked that I've had to like literally break up with a friend and it was like so similar to like a a partner relationship where you know you're breaking up and it was yeah it was really hard and got really messy and I'm like this is crazy like um yeah thank you for sharing though you're welcome. I think it's one of the like hardest things to do. And, and maybe it's having grown up in a military environment where you're moving all the time and making new friends and, and people in the military community are used to that. Um, and then when you're trying to make relationships with people outside of that community who, you know, have grown up in the same place their whole life, they don't understand someone who can just like get up and go. And I've always had it that like, 
I am in friendship with everyone. Um, I just might not always be sharing time and space with someone, but my hope and like where I really like know a good friendship from a, you know, mediocre one is like when we're back in sharing time and space, it's just right there, right again. Um, no questions asked, no guilt, no nothing. Um, because that's my life's literally always been that crazy, chaotic, nomadic, and busy that um, the my truest friends are still in my life, even if I haven't seen them in 15 years. Um, but when I do, it's just like we're eight year old kids again. Not that that does, math re- <laughs> works out, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think we both totally agree with, and understand with what you mean, um, especially since we've been down south for so long now, like I was reflecting and I'm like, yo, I've been here for almost 10 years. And some of my best friends, like Grace is the best friend too, back home. And like, when you're home, you pick back up, like nothing changed. And that's the friendships that you always lean on and can count on. That's right. That's absolutely right. Totally. Well, I'll get into one of our first questions. And, um, So that being during your life, have you ever felt low or even at your lowest? How did you overcome it? And what did you tell yourself when you were in it? Yeah, this is really recent, Um, like the yo-yo between privilege and precarity that I mentioned earlier. So uh, last summer, um, I was presumed to have COVID very early, like really before it even hit the news, but and before testing was available. So I had no confirmation of it. The day I was waiting for my confirmation, I ended up getting a call from the hospital, but it wasn't my hospital. It was my mom's because she had a heart attack. Um, So like the summer of 2020 was just awful pandemic. Don't know if I have it lived in total fear way longer than I needed to probably just to like combat that wasn't able to help my mom and then was working through a really stressful work environment that, um, completely consumed who I was. I, I couldn't make a basic decision uh, to save my life. I was reflecting on it the other day with my sister. And I said, like, I remember being like, did I shampoo my hair in the same shower? And um, being like, I should probably just do it again, just to be sure, you know? Um, so it was an overwhelming time. And I didn't know I needed help um, or how to ask for help. And I've always been a fiercely independent person. I think trauma taught me that in a young age. Um, So asking for help was like a sign of weakness in my mind. Um, But my world literally came crashing down. My body shut down. There was no choice but to ask for help. Um, And I really have to say that it was like hitting rock bottom where there was nowhere else to go, but up, um, that like rock bottoms are really strong foundation to start over again on, um, because it's at that, you know, foundational level. And it was the indigenous lift circle, um, that was really created as a result of the pandemic and people just admitting, you know, like, this is really hard. I don't know where to turn. I don't know which way's up. I don't know what to do next. And coming into circle with Indigenous women that were willing to be courageous and make make clear asks. Um, you know, I, I have to thank Tira Fraser for um, repositioning what asking for help really means. And she shared with me that, like, you know, you see it as a take, like you're taking something, but really it's a gift because we all love to give. And when you ask for help, you give someone the gift of helping you. And we like all want to raise our hands to say like, I'll help, I'll help. But like, no one wants to raise their hand and ask for help. So you actually create opportunities for people to do what they love when you make a clear, courageous ask. So that has been something that I have learned and I'm like practicing with my daughter um, to make more specific asks for help to just normalize it. I don't think women are given permission to do this the way we ought to, but so Charlie Rose, my little five-year-old be like, mom, can you come here? And I'm like, come here to do what? Well, I need help with this. And I'm like, that's the ask, you know, like the more specific she can get on it. Like I encouraged her to be that specific because that was not a skill set I was ever given literally until last year. So um, I would say that I'm like moving through um, the process, like of surviving the everything that hit um, to like being in a place now of thriving. Um, And, you know, some days like feels like a bit of a pendulum swing back and forth, but it's because of my ability to ask for help and, and really focusing on that is like, that's what you need to learn right now, Jace. Um, and then putting that into practice that it really saved me. 
I love that so much. <laughs> Being so specific. It makes it easy to say yes, right? You're like, can you help me? And I'm like, well, with what? But you're like, Mm -hmm. can you show up on Wednesday at 1215 to drive me to my doctor's appointment? You're like, I can say yes to that or clearly no to that. And there's no waiting Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, And just getting that information like allows you to go to the next person or find another uh, alternate. But it's that being that specific is just, I was missing that. I was really missing that. I love how you're also sharing that with your daughter. Um, like with my son, I try, um, I just see like how his dad or other men that I know, um, could be as a, as a male being, you know, thinking you don't have to show emotion or you shouldn't show emotion. So with Nico, I really try, like I'm with him a lot that I'm trying to be like, it's okay to cry. Like, just let it out. Like you can be sad about this. Um, instead of being like, oh, Nico, like man up, like you're a little boy, like you should be tough where it's like, no, like let that, let those tears come and you can be sad about this. Like, tell me what you're sad about. Cause there's sometimes I've shared on the podcast where I just, I just want to cry some days and I'm just like down. And you're so right about this year being so hard. Like there's been times this year where I've been um, like juggling so much with like relationships and school and work. And um, whenever I really ask for help, um, specifically with Nico, I'm dropping him off at my mother-in-law's and she's like, why don't you just, you know, like take a nap? Because it's whenever I'm like, can you take them? It's like, because I have all these other things to do. She's like, why don't you just like go get your nails done or something? And I was like, just in tears. And like you said, like people want, like maybe that was her helping me and just like reminding me to take care of myself. And I was just like, I cried because I was just like, I think you're right because, you know, and I think this year has been, has been so hard on everyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, normalizing that it's okay to ask for help and me and Quay are definitely um, big supporters of that. I think the pandemic like really crystallized what my priorities were, which I think were always there, but then did my actions actually match what I said my priorities were? Nope. Uh, Like things were not balanced um, at all. Andrew Menard really was um, pivotal in me recognizing that my balance was out of whack. And, um, you know, I was really paying attention to like my emotional, mental, physical, spiritual self as a result of some of her teachings and realizing like my body was in such um, antagonistic relationship with my mental and emotional self. Like I was stressed. So I was like hunched up and clenched and grinding my teeth. So my body was in physical pain, which was causing more stress and like negative emotions. And like, they just weren't operating like a whole system. And so I really had to like, a create that awareness that like, wow, your body's literally fighting your emotions as opposed to like holding them in a good way for you. Um, but then what is it going to take to bring that balance back? Um, and that, that really took some reflection. Um, it took a coach, someone outside of me to ask good, powerful questions to help me figure out, okay, what could I do to take a step into that direction of like not being in an antagonistic relationship with my body. And that was really just to invest in my body in a new way. And like, I always like would have said that health and happiness were my priorities, but that's actually what I was working towards, but it wasn't what I was investing in. I kept putting work first. Like if I put work in the middle, that's what's going to lead to the thing. Um, And it was working with my coach that she said, you realize you actually make happiness a reward instead of the work. So like my daughter will say, Hey mom, do you want to come play? And I'll say, sure. But like, let's tidy up one thing first before we go on to that. Or I, I can do that. I just need to finish this up and then we can do this. Like you have to earn that happiness. Whereas like the happiness would happen if you just did the thing that made you happy. Like, but I don't know if that's just like a capitalism thing where you're like, no, you have to work to get to happiness. Um, it was like, what could I do to actually be happier and then bring that alignment back to my body. And it was really about being connected and how it felt. Um, and so I wanted to create more opportunities to like, be aware of my body. 
Um, and so immediately I leaned into like, oh, I'll do meditation and yoga. And someone was like, well, that sounds like a lot of time spent in your head. <laughs> and that's where like, that's what's causing all the stress is you're always in your head thinking about like planning what's next. How are you going to respond? What's the next strategy? Like survive, survive, survive. Um, what could take you out of your head? And I realized it was dance. Um, and so I started dancing more. I put more country music on than I used to and um, more music generally. Turn the TV off, move more was kind of the, the thinking in that. And what was interesting is like talking with my sister about it. She was like, well, of course you're gonna do that. You're a dancer. I'm like, a dancer? She's like, yeah, growing up, you were always dancing. Like no, never sat still. You were always fluttering around the kitchen or turning things into moves or like, laying about on the floor, stretching in all kinds of ways. And I literally didn't have that memory of myself because I'd always put this like extra pressure to do the next thing that it, it was actually just a, a process of remembering that. Yeah. Like I am a dancer. I just haven't given myself permission to do that. So I've seen a huge, just like boost of energy since I started to create more intentional time to do those things. Um, and I used to do those as rewards to myself. And now it's like, no, those are the basis of life. And then the reward is getting to do work or whatever else, you know, you think brings you joy. Um, which was again, a little out of alignment for a lot of years for me. So do you do like dance classes on an app or like no, uh, <laughs> I wish I could say that. Uh, I'm a put a music on and dance in the kitchen. Like if you're going to sweep, you may as well do it with a beat and uh, just like really create any reason to dance um, and not have it be so prescriptive. Like Jace five years ago would have said like, okay, so you're going to have to spend a lot of money and book a lot of times and schedule it. And it was going to feel like work. And it was like, no, that's not what you're, you need to do right now. You just got to allow your body to just occupy more space and find the like rhythms and everything that you're doing. And that's going to create the awareness of being present in your moment. Um, and not always like, again, I was always such a mental planner, figure it out. What's the next 10 years, the next strategy, the next plan, the survive, but that isn't living in the moment. And that's where all my disconnect was coming from. I love I that. that <laughs> yeah. I'm like, right. That helps so much. It's not happiness isn't a reward. Yeah, that's right. That's the work. <laughs> okay. So I have a question on like a different end. What did you study in school and like, where did you go? And, and was it worth it? Great question. Most important question, probably. <laughs> uh, I did a Bachelor of Education, um, a five-year program at the time at the University of Victoria. And you could say that it wasn't worth it because I'm not teaching in a classroom today. Um, but I would say that was the best education I could have ever received. Um, you learn so much about how adults are formed, how kids develop, how the brain works, how, you know, what people need to thrive, what people, you know, are looking for in order to feel actualized and um, validated and the skills that I learned um, through that process. And you have to teach a lot throughout that degree. So it's not just learn in a book, which is what I really appreciated. Um, that I think teachers make the best managers and leaders and bosses and like have all the chops to be a CEO. Uh, we just kind of keep it stuck in a classroom um, and really like the, those skills go so many places. So I learned that pretty quickly and I've always kind of took my um, education and applied it outside the classroom walls, but it was, it, it's like free parent um, manual <laughs> as well. So it like definitely shows up in my parenting. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't speak more proudly of the experience I had um, at UVic, uh, the experiences I had just in my practicums. Uh, it was one of the best investments I ever made in myself. I love that you say that about teachers could be CEOs and stuff. Cause as I'm progressing in my career, I'm like, yeah, I can give you a memo and a to-do list, but if you don't know how to do it or if you don't understand what I'm communicating, what was the point? And then right. having like teachers have to change the way they teach for a student to grasp, to get the concept, right? So yeah, yeah. That's, 
That's it. You would call that stakeholder engagement if you want, <laughs> public communications or putting a PR strategy together. Like that's what you're doing at the front of the room all day long. Um, we just call it by different terms. And I really have just spent a long time um, really making those comparisons mm-hmm. that I think, yeah, uh, that process and at least what was offered to me was just such a great look into so many different facets of life that um, I like to be um, kind of T-shaped. Like I love having a really wide variety of things that I'm interested in. And then like kind of the core depth of something central to who I am and teaching offered that, right? It was like a little bit of something and then like a lot on how to engage with people in meaningful ways. That was really great. Thank you, Jace. Um, A lot of my husband's family are teachers and um, I could totally see like my husband's mom is a high school teacher and well, she was also um, a stay at home mom for like 20 years. So I think she just got good at, you know, doing things, (laughs) (laughs) but she's like the, yeah. And then I see Nico now and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to be a teacher because he's also a little bossy. Um, but he's like, he was talking to me about patterns and he's like, yellow, yellow, blue, blue. And he's just like saying whatever. And then he's like, repeat after me, yellow, (laughs) yellow, blue, blue. And he's like going on forever. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I get it, Nico, you know, patterns. I'm like, thank you though, for sharing (laughs) a little expert. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on to your business side of things. So where did the idea of Jace's closet, um, come from? And can you tell us a little bit more about the trauma to trailblazing fund? Yeah, I'm so happy to, to talk about both those things. So, um, a few years ago, I uh, decided to give myself a challenge. I'd been working in science and tech education and really promoting that more people, especially indigenous people, women, new citizens um, who are underrepresented to go into science and tech. And then I was like, oh, Jace, you've been encouraging all these people to do that. Maybe you should do that. So I applied to work at Shopify, uh, which is you know Canada's little tech darling um, as a, a way to really challenge myself. Um, walked into what I thought was a tech company. Turns out it's an entrepreneurship company. Um, And actually that landed so much more with like the ethos of who I was. I was raised by an entrepreneur. My mom is entrepreneurial. It just runs in the family. It's in our blood. And I really, really like uh, understood the power of e-commerce to unlock, especially indigenous people's potential to stay in their community, do what they love, make an impact in in, in the way they want to, right? To work when they want, where they want um, and how they want. That um, experience led me to attend the first ever Indigenous Women's Leadership Summit. And I heard Victoria Lalibois talk about her experience as an entrepreneur. And she said something that like literally changed my life. And I've reamplified anytime someone will listen to me that it's great to make money um, when you can put your skills to work, but how great is it to just make money and not have to put your skills to work. And she introduced me to the concept of passive income. The idea that you can you can build something that will just sell itself into the future and you can kind of set it and forget it and just allow that money to, to drip in. So leaning into that and seeing how e-commerce can really support that, you know, print on demand companies are these really cool services that if you have an online shop, you can connect with whatever you design, whatever art you make, and I'm an artist, so I like to paint and kind of create visuals and brands, you can work with these um, independent businesses who will print them when your customers want to buy them, which I actually really loved because the idea of just like stocking a whole bunch of t-shirts or whatever um, doesn't really sit with like how I want to you know, protect the planet. I don't know if there's going to be 150 people in a size large that want a black t-shirt. Like, um, so the idea here is that the t-shirt is only produced when someone actually buys it and that company prints it, mails it and sends it to, um, the customer. And I just get a portion of proceeds into my bank account based on whatever I set for prices. So that's what I decided to do. I figured it would just be silly of me to be working inside an entrepreneurship tech company and not using tech and entrepreneurship to create this form of passive income. So I literally was just like, well, what am I going to build? 
it didn't really matter the what to me. It was more just learn how to do it so that maybe one day when you know exactly what it is you want to produce, you'll go ahead and do it because you won't be afraid of it anymore. So I just started to put some of the learning lessons on t-shirts that I'd come across or like things that were really frustrating me. Like I'm not just a land acknowledgement. I'm going to wear that to every gig where they asked me to be, you know, open up the thing as a land acknowledgement. And that was it. It was just like a way for me to be a little bit feisty and and have some fun and, and kind of put some of my words down in a way that maybe others would um, see value in it. Uh, and so that was fun. That's, that's what I did. Uh, it was a low key little side hustle, no pressure. Uh, you know, it wasn't what was going to pay the bills, but why not turn on the tap and see what happened. And then um, through my experience uh, working in, in big tech, um, I really came to realize that it wasn't uh, aligned with my values anymore in um, so much that I, I really love the like diversification of everyone having access to it, but working within it and then still having be an independent player, it just wasn't jiving. Um, and, and I had my own tough experience in that spot. So um, realizing that, you know, I was really entrepreneurial, but working inside a company, you know, there's a term for that called intrapreneur. Um, I wanted to make a journey from being an intrapreneur to an entrepreneur, but it's a really scary journey. Like when you're having a steady paycheck, your bills are going to be covered. You have like health and dental for your kids as a result of having benefits to going into entrepreneurship where none of that's there for you. It's not guaranteed. It like, it's a really hard jump and, and maybe completely not accessible to anyone. It wasn't for me. I was the primary breadwinner for my family. You know, we were entering into a pandemic. It's like, how do you, how do you decide like, nah, I don't like any securities. I'm just going to go see if I can make money selling t-shirts, you know? Um, so what I realized is that there are a lot of women, especially indigenous women who enter into entrepreneurship because they have no other choices. They need to find some way to make money for themselves to be um, completely self-determined. And so I really wanted to create more supports to make that journey a whole lot less um, scary. And really um, I wanted the supports I couldn't find for myself. So this is an active new project. It's in its infancy. Like um, it's still more of an idea than an actuality, but um, I wanted to just make the step, embarrass myself, fail through it, just start. And so I decided that anything I sold on my website would just go into creating a fund called Trauma to Trailblazing. So if you're working in a toxic work environment or you're living in a toxic environment, and you're looking to create a way out, there would be a source of funds that would help you with the startup costs of, you know, buying your own computer, um, helping with covering the rent for a month or two, especially if, you know, you end up losing housing as a result of this. If you don't have benefits, I wanted to create a place where people could pay into a benefits program really cheaply, but all of this would be funded for women that were going through this transition for a set period of time. And then that money would be reinvested back in a, in a way that it would always be mobilized for those who needed it. Um, because I think that Indigenous women are some of the most innovative um, and are building businesses that are good for the world, good for our children. Um, but they shouldn't have to only do that through the hardest of circumstances to get it done. And while we can do that, it doesn't mean we have to do that. And if that journey could be easier for others, the idea is that you would receive um, funds, but then you would also receive mentorship and entrepreneurship education. So they're not just starting out um, with, with nowhere to go and, and kind of no hopes that there would be a little bit of a map um, of you know people who've been through it themselves before to guide you through that process. Wow. When I love you, that. Yeah, I feel like Quay and I, well, I feel like this podcast is a little bit of like our entrepreneurship spirit. It's but- our passive income. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that is so um, amazing that there are those supports. Um, um, so when did you when did you start this? You said this that is, it was the infancy stage. So that's right, that's right. December, the idea was born. Um, I I literally believe that you, the best thing you can do is take those wild ideas and just share it with the world, and then. It'll, it'll be built at the speed of trust. It'll happen when it, it's meant to happen, um, but it won't happen if you don't ever just share the story and, and communicate that with people. So um, probably December, 
um, I, I brought it to the indigenous lift circle to say, this is what I want to do. And before I knew it, I had seven or eight women saying like, this was my journey. This is absolutely needed. I would have needed it. So I'm like, my idea was validated then. And then suddenly it was like, oh, well, there's the mentor. Um, and here's a better sense of how much money we need to raise. And so that is something I'm actively working on right now. I, I would say I'm still very much within the uh, go-to-market phase. This would be the first time I'm talking about it publicly, actually. So thank you so much for platforming this. Um, and if anyone's interested in joining me on this journey, I would happily welcome them to come slide into my DMs. Uh, <laughs> I'm ja Jace actually everywhere on the internet. Um, but it, it came out of a need. And from what I've learned of great businesses in and entrepreneurs is often they're building the things they wish they had in the world, but couldn't find for themselves. And I know this story intimately. So I felt like what better way to kind of put my purpose into play than to try and create this, um, if only for, you know, the version of myself in the past that didn't have it. And if I could help just one woman make that transition a little smoother than the experience I had through it, which was horrible, um, then I'd done my job in the world. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminds me of growing up my mom took a bunch of women's studies classes at U of Ottawa and so I would just tag along with her and go into these classes just color on my coloring book but from there she always told me and like reiterated to me um, like kind of like the passive income but more specific about having your own bank account and like always having your driver's license and always having these like ways that you'll be able to survive and sustain yourself so that's so that's so great to hear that this is coming to fruition and I'm so glad that our podcast was the worldwide announcement we're in the market now ladies <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's something that I've come to realize is like so many people ask me right because I've, I've been in the I've been such a connector in indigenous entrepreneurship um, and I see a lot of it on mass globally, just from the roles that I've held. And people always say, well, what's different about indigenous business? Like, other than the fact of it being like circular economies and rooted in value, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that indigenous businesses don't go to market the same way non-indigenous businesses do because we build our companies with our communities actively, openly, transparently. So like when we go to market, we are the market. So most of the people that are buying your products actually helped you with your product ideas and your marketing campaign. And like, they've been so part of it. Of course, they're going to invest once there's an actual thing to invest in because they're already physically invested. Whereas you don't see that so often in, in non-Indigenous businesses, it's this big hush and huge behind the cur uh, curtain reveal. And, and then it's a hope that the world wants this thing. Uh, we build things with our community. And uh, yeah, so now we're doing that's it together. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because like when we, when we first started our podcast, the first thing we did was like, follow our community members and other girls in our communities and like they helped guide us like what you want what do you want to hear from like what do you want to talk about yeah so it's completely true that totally reminds me of um so my my granny back home she's just like always busy like you never have to worry about her especially during this pandemic I was like mom like how is how's granny doing and she's like oh you know her you know she's doing all these crafts she's selling this selling that and I think I was like there I think last summer or two years ago and there was like something I had my eye on and she's like 40 bucks I'm like what <laughs> you're not <laughs> but you know like she's, she's creating like that whole community and um or I guess like we're her community, but you know, she's already like marketing it, marketing it to me and I got to be the purchaser and I got to be the supporter. So, uh, and I'm sure she does that when she brings it back to the reserve or, you know, anyone who enters her home, but um, you know, like that's, that's totally awesome that you're doing that. I know um, for a long time, I've, I've always had this like spirit that I wanted to start a business and I, I would have a notebook. I'd try to have one like near me all the time. I remember like being like a, a new mom and always think like, what could make life easier? Just like trying to come up with an idea. And um, I, yeah, like you said, just sharing that 
and trying to get ideas out. Like I call Quay maybe like once a week. I'm like, what do you think of this idea? <laughs> so I yeah. think like creating that community and that mentorship where women maybe don't know where to go and like with their ideas, I think is so needed. So I think that's great that, and I'm like, it's excited to see where you, where you take this. Me too. And I, I think that's like the coolest part is it's going to evolve. Um, and I don't even know where it's going to evolve to. I just want to be along for the ride for it. Um, and I think that's one of the coolest parts about entrepreneurship is that, you know, you get the questions like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? I don't know is the answer. Like, I have no idea. Um, I've never wanted to put myself on such a linear path. Like I have a list of a million things I want to do in my life um, and a million ideas I want to create. When are those going to happen? When the world presents itself to me, like I wouldn't have ever guessed that I was going to try and build a fund um, ever in my life. But then the world said, well, you needed this and it wasn't here. So I guess that's what you're doing next. And here I am. Right. So it's, um, I think giving ourselves permission to just be open to all of those ideas. Like that's such an investment in yourself and a recognition and like honoring of your gifts to even just put it down on paper, right? Like that's a brave step. And then to tell us about it, that that's how business, you know, business with a, a, a capital B, but like, I think about business as like mobilizing knowledge and creating community to share value. You know, that's an exchange of an idea. Um, that's what it's all about. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll pass it on to you, Quay. Okay. <laughs> My next question is, how do you balance your work, family, self-care, pandemic re restrictions, and what are your tips for other mothers and aunties? Yeah, um, I've created a whole bunch of parenting hacks, so I might just like dive into that part. Um, I don't think there's any such thing as like balance for me. Um, I'm, I'm just getting there. So I don't want to share anything that I don't know. Um, I'm just learning, but I've created a lot of hacks along the way. Cause I, I used to live out of a suitcase half the time traveling for, for work. And, um, I think the biggest thing that I realized was being present with my kids when I was there, like actually present. Um, my daughter knows the difference between engaged mom and mom who's going through the motions. Um, and I feel better about myself and my relationship with her when I'm fully engaged. So one of my biggest um, hacks was leaving my cell phone in my purse when I got home. And like only picking it back up at bedtime. Um, I was just gifted a box called the unplug box with that kind of exact concept is like, let's have real moments together by putting our phones down. So like hiding it in a box, my daughter literally will hide my phone because she wants my full attention. And that I think is, that's what's giving me the balance overall is that I'm in those moments with her. But then, you know, also the way I was raised is my mom had this little um, saying, she would say, if it's not illegal, immoral, or life-threatening, the answer is a yes. Um, so we needed a lot less of her time and guidance on things because we knew what our rules were for operating. And we were really confident in acting on those rules ourselves. And it just takes so much pressure off to always know exactly what you're supposed to do, which is like such a judgment term anyways. But when you're like, well, is it illegal? Is it immoral or is it life-threatening? Like what's the harm in saying yes to it? And like, once you get to your teenage years, having lived through this with this kind of like moral compass, you know, I want to dye my hair, mom is like looking for a reaction. And she's like, well, it's not illegal, immoral or life-threatening. You're like, well, it's also not as interesting now. <laughs> So like, maybe I'll skip coloring my hair purple because, you know, I'm not, I'm not defying authority. like I thought I might. Um, but that just makes life like so much more enjoyable. Like, I, I really believe that our role as parents isn't to have all of the right answers. And I think maybe being a teacher really cemented this for me because there's so much expectation to be the expert on all the things. Well, that's unrealistic and unattainable. So I've always just seen my role as like a guide and asking powerful questions and, and honoring kids when they ask questions of you. Like I firmly believe if they're asking a question, they're ready for the answer or they wouldn't have asked the question. So um, one of the things I've often done is just like, 
tried to practice what I thought would be the hardest things as a parent when my daughter was really young. So like you're one years old and we're talking about consent. We're talking about puberty. We're doing all of those things. So I can like have a go at it when you're likely not to remember. So that by the time you're six or seven, like, like, oh, I've done this three or four times already. Um, so little hacks like that just make me like at the emotional stress level come right down. And then um, things like knowing that charcuterie for the fancy word to say cheese and crackers makes it okay to serve cheese and crackers for dinner. <laughs> if you call it charcuterie, it's all right. Um, but I love also, charcuterie. <laughs> they're in the kitchen with you, right? So dinner isn't a thing you have to do. Dinner's the gift. Um, and when they're with you and, you know, cutting up cheese and, you know, now they're learning a knife skill, you're spending quality time together, dinner's on the table and it's healthy. And it's not this like ugh, thing you have to do. It's like the reason to go home. Um, it's the thing to look forward to. It's the put the music on and let's dance while we do it um, is just kind of how I've approached parenting in a way that takes a lot of the stress off. I think moms have a stupid amount of expectations to on them to fulfill, to be all the things all the time. And just because you can... <laughs> bringing it right full circle doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. It's not all the things at once. It's like a, a, a tickle trunk of things you can pull out when you need to, and then you put it back on, you take out the other thing, you know, and that's how you bring some balance to that. And then realizing that it's a reciprocal relationship, right? My daughter has taught me so much more than I think we, we give ourselves permission to give kids credit for. Um, but when I realize that we're in a, a relationship of learning together, it's a 50% um, role, right? Maybe it's a little bit more because, you know, <laughs> they're only little, but um, yeah, it takes a lot of the pressure off um, to be a super mom and a super boss and a super friend and a super partner and all the things like um, it's just being really mindful of the moments you do have. Yeah, I totally yeah. I totally relate with all of that. I think, you know, um, just this past weekend, me and Quay spent some time together. And so she was really um, like seeing my like day to day, my breakfast, how that goes, like bedtime um, with Nico. And, um, you know, I think it you also changing perspective too. like, you know, I see my day sometimes being like so hard because I am dealing with this little person who's got their own opinions and they want to go this way and we're going this way or like holding hands crossing the street and they just go or things like that. So it gets hard for me. But then I remember Quay said this when we were going to get coffee and she's like, wow, your life with Nico is so much fun. And I was mm. like, oh, like, you know, like when I step back and look at it, I'm like, it is so much fun. But I'm like, I sometimes get worried, like, make sure you eat everything on your plate. Like, why, why am I not enjoying like the awesome breakfast and the time that we are having at that table, but I'm focused on other things. And I'm like, time is so much fun. And like these, these moments aren't gonna, you know, are gonna fly by and, you know, I want to remember all the fun times. So yeah, that was something that Quave and I didn't, I didn't tell her how much that like impacted me or changed my perspective till now. So thanks, Quay. <laughs> that's so sweet, Grace. And yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention one thing to you, to you both as moms that you guys probably know, but I keep getting reminded of like what parenting is. Um, it's like literally you're teaching somebody things. <laughs> 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 this weekend, <laughs> because of this weekend, we were putting the Jenga pieces back together and then I'm trying to tell him Grace taught him about the pattern right so he knows the pattern and I'm like put it vertically and I'm like Nico put it oh you don't know you don't know a vertical okay this, when he goes like this this is vertical and when it's up and down <laughs> and I was like oh shit <laughs> you're really teaching them everything <laughs> so true so true. I think if you give yourself that permission to remember, like, yeah, you are right. So I've always like tried to do it. Okay. The first time is going to be slow. 
but then it's going to be faster every time after that. And like, let them fail through it so that they learn quickly how to do things for themselves. Yes. It might take you a little bit more time initially, but then ideally it's like hands off after that. And I don't know, my mom always just was the one that was like, well, let them play on the first two stairs and then they'll maybe fall off the first stair, but they'll never fall from the 30th stair because they learned it on stair number one, not like having every guide and bumper and, you know, a uh, contraption around them that they never actually get to experience their own learning. It's always yeah. just told to them, like give them the gift of learning it themselves and they'll always remember. And I don't know, she was just wonderful that way. And I don't even think my mom realizes how great of a mom she was and just how much opportunity she gave it us to um, figure things out on our own. Like, I think she probably um, spent her whole time as a mom thinking that she wasn't doing enough as a mom um, because she should have been, do, you know, tying up our shoes for us when she was the mom. And it was like, well, if you don't want to tie your laces, like, I guess you're going to trip until you tie your laces, but here's how <laughs> you tie your laces. Um, practice, practice, practice. And if you walk around with unlaced shoes, like, that's what you do until you want to tie them up where you shove them in your shoes or something, you know? Um, she just always gave us permission to like learn on our own pace and do it in our own way and figure it out for ourselves. So mm -hmm. when we had it, we had the full confidence we had it. That reminds me of though, something my mom kind of said along the lines, but it was more of like when we were being teens and rebellious, she was like, just know if you call me from the police station, I'm leaving you there. <laughs> I was like, oh oh you're gonna leave me oh okay I'm not gonna do that much bad stuff then <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it I actually think that that has been such a guiding thing for me that I remember kind of snarkily and sarcastically saying to my stepdad like oh I know like I, I get it. Like, it's all about the consequences of my actions. I know that if I stay at a party or if I drink at that party and I get in trouble, then like, I'm probably going to jail. <laughs> and it, he used to be like, okay, well, do you understand the consequences of your actions? And I was like, yeah, dad, I get it. Koya, like C-O-Y-A, consequences of your actions. And then once I realized like, oh yeah, I can actually imagine what might happen if I do anything. Um, that's pretty powerful to realize. You're like, hey, I could do a thing and it might end up affecting someone else or you know something else and then once you know that you can do that that's power when you apply it to the right things so hashtag koya has always been I have it tattooed on my foot just like yeah believe in the consequences of your actions and I think with more reflection and like um, maturity I realized like I valued that lesson so much because I didn't want to be the product of my circumstances. I wanted to be the consequences of my actions. And so, yeah, maybe I grew up with trauma and intergenerational trauma, you know, was the reason for that, but that didn't have to mean that was going to be my future, right? Like I wanted that, that agency for myself that it was like, no, it's Koya. It's my consequences of my actions and I can do that shit. I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, that's so powerful. Okay, so the next question I'm going to ask is, what would you tell another Indigenous person who wanted to be an entrepreneur? And what would you want to tell an Indigenous mom who is expecting, um, looking forward to motherhood and being a matriarch? Ooh, well, um, what I've learned is doing it all at the same time is so much fun. <laughs> Um, and I like say that like half jokingly, but I think once you are expecting, there's this like, oh, I can do anything. Like if I can create human life, I can build a business plan. Um, and so it was actually becoming a mom and knowing that I was becoming a mom that really like ignited this like power in me um, and, and made me see the whole world for like a whole new lens. Um, so if you're, if you're a person that has a lot of ideas, um, you know, maybe authority is not your favorite, uh, you love variety in life, um, you're, you're a go-getter, like entrepreneurship's for you. Um, it, if you like the roller coaster of life and like the adventure of things, like it's a good fit. If you like stability and, you know, a really like safe and certain type of life, it's probably not your jam. 
but um, that's not who I am. Like I, I love adventure. It's one of my top values. I want to experience life. Um, it's my Enneagram. It's all my things. Um, so entrepreneurship sits really well for me. And, and that's the same as being a mom, right? Like so often we talk about our businesses, like our babies, and that's because you have to take it from nothing and into something. And that takes nurture, that takes time, that takes patience, that takes love. Um, so I see the journeys actually really similarly. Um, and being a mom and starting that journey at the same time is it, it actually marries itself so beautifully because you can only do what you can do and you can only do it when you can do it. Like you can't teach a kid accounting when they're six months, even though, you know, it's on the to-do list, you've got to wait until the kid's like at a level that it's relevant. They're able to absorb it. So, um, a bit, being a business in business is the same thing. Like you can't do it all at once. It happens when it's supposed to happen and being on that journey. Like, I think it's really just being open to the moment that you're in and like, that's being a parent. And I remember the, you know, the first year of being a mom, there's so many ages and stages. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is exhausting. How am I supposed to get through this? And then a really wise friend said, you're just supposed to get through this. Um, and then that part's going to be over. And then the next part's going to happen. And then you're just supposed to get through that. All of the other things are going to take 18 to a lifetime years, but those are then right now is the only thing. So like maybe right now you're worrying about like, um, teething, but they're not going to be worried about teething when they're 18. So it's not like it all happens all at once. And realizing that you just do what you can in the moment, prioritizing the most important thing at a time. And that takes being real and honest and being present. And so I actually see the journeys so similarly. <laughs> Um, and then my, my encouragement is like, if you're going to do either do it with love, um, like that is the purpose of it. They don't create love. Um, you have to bring love into them. Um, so they don't solve your problems. Um, in fact, they probably create a whole bunch of new ones. <laughs> um, but both of those journeys should be, should be embarked on with nothing but love. Totally. Um, that totally reminded me a couple years ago. Um, I got this advice it kind of resonated, but I feel like I'm going against it anyways. So I was told you can have everything in life, but just not all at once. Yeah. Because this is when I was like, oh, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, blah, blah, blah. and I, sometimes I go crazy. And then someone told me that I'm like, oh, you're right. Like, okay, I'll just like do this, then this, then this. And I feel like now I'm kind of all doing it at once, but maybe I'm not like doing the whole self-care and maybe I'm not taking a breath. So maybe that's where that ties in. Um, but yeah, there was something else I was I'm trying to write some notes and because um, a lot of that is just really resonating with me with um, like being a mother as well. But Quay, I'll let you add and I'll try to remember what I was trying to think, but. Okay, I really wanted to thank you for joining us, especially talking about, um, as just women in general and like individuals developing a passive income and sharing like that really informative tidbit that you learned because I think that sometimes not that we get stagnant or we get anything like that but sometimes we're just yeah like we're just focused on flipping our skills for a coin or we're like how can we do something else and just let that and like forget it set it and forget it right so as a as any young women listening like I think that you should definitely think about it like look at how many um like jewelry lines came out and the need is only increasing mm -hmm. it's not like like the need's been met no it's still increasing so if you can get crafty or get crafty in any other way like totally get out there as a side hustle yeah, definitely. And the side hustle is such a uh, smart way to do it, right? Because you still have that safety. So you can't fail, um, really. And again, if you do it with love, um, people feel that energy and they want parts of it. They want to share in that with you. They want to celebrate it. So it's just a matter of being brave enough to put it out into the world, to speak it, to share it. Um, and then you get the feedback, you see where people's energy goes and you invest more into that spot. So, um, my biggest encouragement is, is to just start, um, to just start and, and do it for you and do it for love. Grace, that's what you told me. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> to start the whole podcast. She was like, let's just do it. Oh, 
Yeah, I because I, I feel like Quay and I could, are are very similar, but also very different. So um, yeah, and I like someone told whispered in my ear that they're like just do it because you know you can you can come up with all these uh, these excuses. And I'm, this is something I'm really glad that we jumped into doing. And Jace, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We totally got to know you more and um, hopefully our listeners got to know you more and we can't wait to see um, more things that you do and connecting virtually on all platforms that you're available on. So again, miigwech for, for joining us. Before we go, though, where can people find you if they do want to slide into your DMs? What is your handle? You can find me at jaceactually.com. I'm jaceactually on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but uh, Instagram is my favorite platform for sure. So if you actually want to have a conversation, go find me on Instagram. That's awesome. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you. So your podcast, Andy's, know that life can be tough. And we want to end our episode with promoting the Hope for Wellness talk line. The Hope for Wellness um, helpline offers immediate help to all Indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer counseling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there. So call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca. And remember that your podcast entities love you.